So my guest today for the Cappuccino Podcast, she was actually a guest on episode four of the Cappuccino Podcast, some 200 episodes later, whoop, whoop, uh, there's been a number of things going on. So we're going to talk about bake-offs, we're going to be talking about podcasts, singing twoies, award-winning radio shows, Kiwi Kids music, books, even teaching kids about music and arts, uh, movies. There's been operas going on there. There's been a little thing called COVID where she got the phone call to say, hey, do you want to educate all of New Zealand's kids during a pandemic? <laughs> yep. Plus the She's Leaving Home piece. So it's my great pleasure to introduce, get ready for this because you're going to be horrified with this, my friend of 23 years. Yeah. 23 years? Su- Susie Cutter, which means, I know, yeah, yeah well, <laughs> we met when we were at kindy. Uh, so let's go for a speed round because that's what we do. Uh, the best... And you can't say yourself to any of these. Uh, the best kids entertainer you've seen is who? Oh, crikey. Boom. Okay, it has to be um, Catherine McPherson, and it's probably the answer that I gave you last time <laughs> I answered. Ouch, okay. <laughs> and she was a presenter on what now? Okay, best kids book of all time is what? Oh, lordy. My favourite would have been, um, oh, I've got it, um, a copy of it. And I've had it since my childhood, and such an enduring favourite. You can't even remember it. This podcast is going well, right? Great. Let's go for this one then, and uh, double the points. The last book you read. Um, well, I'll tell you what it's going to be. Well, it's going there we to be go. <laughs> Dr. Michael Mosley's Just One Thing. Thank you very much for my birthday. Perfect. You're welcome. Right. Uh, what's the, your latest and greatest binge watch on TV? Latest and greatest. Okay. Haven't done a binge watch. We only watch episode mm-hmm, one, yeah, mm-hmm. one, actually one a night, not one a week, yeah. one a night. Um, but it's been The Diplomat, which has been a really interesting um, British drama. Mm, okay. Mm. What's one thing you would rather not watch? You'd actually rather watch paint dry than watch something. Oh, crikey. Um, anything like that I don't watch, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, boom. <laughs> okay, cool. Right. Um, first song you think of when I say love. I want to know what love oh, is. Oh, there you go. I want you to show And an interesting side note, just because you know I'm a muso buff and I know you are as well, it's Thomas Dolby, the man who sang She Blinded Me With Science, playing the keyboards on that. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get that song to work. He comes in and plays the keyboards. Number one hit. Oh, um, wow. There you go. Uh, Favourite game to watch? Favourite game to watch? Whatever my kids are playing. So it's been soccer for a long time, but uh, I don't watch a lot of games anymore because they're not playing anymore. <laughs> there you go. Easy, easy. Okay, so let's get right into it. Let's talk the mass Singer, right, because you disappeared there for a wee while, and then up popped, up you popped on the mass Singer. Do you really not know who the other contestants are, and what was the whole thing like? You barely know yourself, <laughs> actually, yeah, because yeah, yeah. everything is in secrecy. Yeah. So you are um, not so much blindfolded, but you are covered up. Yep. You've only got little isolates. They put a mask on you, yep. all kinds of things to actually get you in. And I say mask, we had the um, COVID mask, which helped. But you also have a face mask on you as you are taken into your little trailer or your little room. Yep. And no, you don't know who anybody else is. You know who the director is and so on. Yep. But no, it's all sworn to secrecy. What and you're not you even th- asked, to, you're asked not to even talk until you actually get into the closed room of the um, studio. What did you think when they made the pitch here? Because let's be honest, <laughs> hey Susie, got this great idea. Uh, we want to put a mask on you, put you in a trailer, and then we're going to put you in a costume and nobody will know it's you. And then next week, if you're good enough, you'll come back. 
Um, I went, I had just done, well, not long um, done Dancing, Dancing with, with the, the Stars. stars. Yep. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll give that a go. Knew nothing about it. So uh, probably if I'd done a little bit more research, <laughs> I might have done better at the job. But um, uh, it, was, it was a bit of fun and I did yeah. love it. I just wish I'd gone longer. The same with Dancing with the Stars. I would have uh, liked a few well, more weeks in them about. There you go. Now, did when? you get to pick your costume or was it picked for you? It was picked for me. There you go. All right. Now, when you went out in the first show, were you a little bit peeved? Yes. Yeah. Yes, because I'd had so much fun yeah. learning the songs yeah. and being in a recording studio. And look, I love singing all the kids' songs, but it was really nice to pretend that you're a, you know, a pop star. Yeah. So that was great. I did laugh because I read a review of it somewhere and somebody said, Susie Cato, Cato suffered the same fate that Caitlyn Jenner Jenna suffered on the American show was her voice was too recognisable. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, look, I'd be be complaining if it wasn't because yeah. after all these years of singing to generation after generation, but I'd thought I'd marked my voice enough. Well, yeah. So was Walk that the, the reasoning behind the choice of your Drax project for the song? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Because it was a male singer. Yep. And it was within my range, and it was a song that I really enjoyed. Yep. And now, as I said to you just before we started. You now know that you, Johnny, and Johnny Rotten, a.k.a. John Lydon from the Sex Pistols, have something in common because you've both been on The Masked Singer. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, how many approaches from reality TV shows have you actually had? Oh, a few, but I don't have a manager or an agent, so no. they've got to find a way of <laughs> getting me. <laughs> yeah. And I think once you are known for turning down particular genres, yeah. you're not really asked. So I have turned down a few because really they're pushing me beyond my boundaries or wanting me to be something that I'm not yep. or something like that. So it's been, no, 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 no. Yeah. And look, let's be honest, uh, no disrespect to you. If I put you on an island and make you do a whole bunch of <laughs> physical challenges. Hey, you know I'm going to cry even before I get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, you'll be crying before you're even out of the, the departure lounge. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you're not going to be singing It's Our Time by the end of it, look, no. let's be honest. No, no so no, yeah, no. yeah. Uh, is there any that you sort of just go, no, not at all? I mean, the other day I heard you talking about, um, it's actually with Don Harvey, I heard you talking about Celebrity Treasure Island and all those types of things. Is there any that you just don't even look at? You just go, no, nah, it's not for me. Yeah, and look, um, Celebrity Treasure Island is a good one because... Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think I'd, I'd, I wouldn't survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd like to think I would. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yep. um, no, it's, it's I, I, the, the challenge of Dancing with the Stars was physically challenging enough for me. Yep. You need to know your limitations. Yep. And there's plenty else going on for me at the moment that I don't need to be looking for those sorts of opportunities. And let's be honest, I don't think people actually realise um, Dancing with the Stars, even though you see all the glitz and the glamour and everything else, that's no catwalk because, oh. I mean, you guys were all physically wrecked by the end of it. Mm -hmm. You're having massages. I happen to know um, a couple of people who know the sort of um, partnering dancers. And, you know, they, they too are wrecked as well oh, themselves. Yeah. So it's yeah, not yeah. like it's... What, yeah. what you're being asked to do with Dancing in the Stars is learn to do within, say, four days yep. when, you're, when you're further down the track. You know, that first dance routine, we had a month to learn. And that's to get to know our dance partners and learn the first routine and perhaps get a, an idea of a, quite a couple of the other movements for the um, other dance op, um, genres. Um, but we're being asked to do something that normally people take years to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And we're being asked to do that within four days. And we can never actually do that particular dance with anybody else ever again because you're only learning a, a particular routine for a set 
yep. minute of music, and it's all for the camera. So yep. although it is a cha-cha, ain't nobody doing the cha-cha quite like that. Yeah. You know? well, <laughs> funny you say that, because I saw her on TV the other day dancing on ice, and I thought, I wonder if she'd ever do this. Cause... Oh, no, not now. There you go. All right. Yep. So do you think sometimes people forget that you've been doing this? For over 30 years, I mean, every time your name is mentioned, there is a, oh, Susie, I remember her from a childhood, my childhood moment. Is it like a never-ending of elixir of youth for you? You know, do you think people tend to forget, there's you and me, Susie? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but that was a couple of years ago, you know? Oh, so, no, hey, yeah. I'm still, uh, you talk about you and me, Susie, that, that light switch flicks on and... And although it takes a little bit more to get up from the floor these days, you know, things like that... Um, that headspace is something that has become part of my DNA. Yep. And when it's children's performance time, I'm I'm there, I'm in the zone, and I'm loving every minute of it. Yeah, which I'll do it again in a heartbeat. It's something that you always hear about you is your niceness and everything else. So what does a shitty day look like, just so that we can prove to people that you are actually human? Oh, gosh. Look, look like for Susie. Um, and my neighbours have heard me <laughs> raising my voice to the children. <laughs> yeah. Um, but look, you know, I have a bad day like everybody else does. Yep. And with um, you know, the country in a recession and all those sorts of things, I've got the same financial pressures. And uh, as an entertainer, ah, finding work at the moment has been a lot more challenging yep. and paid work. And yes, um, uh, well, because you've got the bills and everything to pay, you do need to do a lot more paid work now than yep. than I did um, a few years back. You know, it's, it's a reality. And... I'm older, so a sleepless night is going to give me a little bit more of a crankiness in yep. the morning than, than it used to do. I used to be able to thrive on about four hours sleep, um, work until the wee small hours, and then get up really early for the kids. But Nana needs her nap yeah, time yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Solid eight. That's all yeah. good. Yeah. So how do you cope with it all? Because like, you're always generous with your time. You never turn anybody down for a selfie. Some of the lessons you've taught me when we were doing Brian and Bobby you were just invaluable, well, not only as... Uh, kids entertainer, but also as a as a human, right? So, when the off switch goes on, how do you look after yourself? Because there's only so much you can give. You hear about people saying, "Oh, overcarer syndrome" and all that type of stuff. So, when the, the the off switch hits, apart from going to sleep, which is obvious, how do you look after yourself? What's some of the things that you do to keep your batteries charged? Sure. Well, look, start the day with. Um Hot water, because that's all I drink. I drink hot water and hot chocolate. Yeah. But um, I don't drink tea or coffee. I've never acquired the taste. Love the smell of a herbal tea. Love the smell of a good coffee. Uh, I just can't stand the taste of them. So um, water has been a blessing for me, and I drink as much as I can of it. And um, so that's a really good thing. We eat well. We eat well. We do have yep. a fruit bowl at home, and yes, the prices are horrendous. But we are able to compensate that because we're not eating takeaways, you know, regularly and all yep. those sorts of things. So fruit, veggies, a good balanced diet. And I'd love to say exercise, but at the moment I am so sedentary and uh, my body's really feeling it. Wow, oh, to have that fitness of Dancing with the Stars again, without having to do the seven hours a day of dance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, I'd love to do that. And I do need to do more because as we become older... We do need to exercise more. It is so good for our mental health as well. Music. Music. A good playlist on Spotify. Getting the old um, albums out and actually playing it is even better on a um, turntable 
because that's that whole physical choosing, the, the sliding, you can hear it sliding out and putting it on the turntable and that gadunk and scratch if you've got it wrong. You know, it is so good for the soul. You'll be espousing the values of a track cassette soon as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Right. <laughs> now, I read somewhere that you said, I really like loud music in the car, yeah. along with a hot shower and lots of tears. And anybody who knows you knows that you'll go at the drop of a, a handkerchief mm. pretty much, right? What loud music are we talking? Because you and I's definitions of loud music, we both know one another's music taste. But if I said to you, You've got to have a you've got to have a Susie moment in the car. What 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 song would be your go to um, for a sort of a cleansing? Really good question. You know, for a long time it was it, it is some of those big ballads, the big yeah, loud yeah, yeah. sing-alongs. Yep. So um, I think this was one that I've mentioned in another podcast. Um, but it's a song that always gets me is. Um, uh, you abandoned me, love don't live here anymore. And so the tears come with that and, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, uh, the other one, there's a, um, another from that same genre. I don't even think it's by the same artist, but it's, um, do you know, do you know where you're going to? Do you like the things that life is showing you? Where are you going to? I'm going to cry. There you go. Do you know. Because <laughs> do we know? Oh, aren't you used to Iron Maiden one of these days? You'll be sweet then. There'll be no more tears. All right? That's all it is. Just, yeah. And look, yeah, I'm happy to, to, to yeah. crank up some heavy metal or whatever, but it happens to be at the right time and the right place. Yeah. 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 Fully get it. Uh, so, in the middle of a, well, not really in the middle, at the sort of beginning of a COVID pandemic, the whole world is going to pooey brown stuff let's be honest mm. uh we don't know whether people are going to live die or whatever um you get a phone call that goes i'm imagining something like this hey susie would you like to pretty much run every kiwi kids education like you <laughs> used to do in the 90s we're going to do education lessons on tv how the hell did one that conversation come about and two how did you deal with it because that is no small feat in itself. I mean, uh, if, yeah. I mean that's as every, like, even though you've done it for years and you and I both know how Kids TV works and everything else, but for somebody to ring you up and say, hey, uh, while this pandemic's on and we have no idea how long this pandemic's going to mm. last, you're it for kids' education because they're getting probably half an hour with their school teachers normally, but then the rest of the day, the parents are like, no, you can't do the iPad, mm. you've got to do something else. So, one, how did the initial conversation start? And then two, how did you actually start planning it out? Because that must, logistically, that must have been a nightmare. Well, look, um, I'll have to correct you on, on this. Yeah. That it was me that picked up the phone. Oh, my and Lord, I rang yep. them because I went, what are we going to do? We're going to be locked down. What's on television for kids? Yeah. And how can I get my Susie's World out to families and yep. things like that? And so I contacted... Um, the, the people, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the jolly company, <laughs> crikey, senior moment. Um, I contacted um, the company that does all the Freeview television yep. channels. And I said, um, any chance of a COVID mates rate on being able to set up a kids channel finally? And they said, oh, no, still can't do that. Sorry, Susie. Yeah. Um, he said, but you might like to, I said, do you know whether the Ministry of Education is likely to do anything? And he said, well, funny you should ask that because... We are in, in discussions with them at the moment. Would you like a telephone number? And I said, yeah, definitely. So I picked up the telephone number and it was for a marketing person. So not really the person that I no, yeah. w was expecting to speak to. 
and I then flicked off an email and so on, that's when I got the call. So it was me actually saying to them, hey, if you are likely to do anything, I've got all these episodes of Susie's World. Yeah. I've got all these episodes of Brian and Bobby. Yeah. How can we help you? How can we get these out to the kids? Um, what else can I do to help? And they, that's when they said, oh, yes, please. But it wasn't me doing it by myself. It was a whole team of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm working with... Um, the uh, scientific um, education advisors and, mm -hmm. and the technology advisors and the, the maths advisors. And it was them working with me and um, putting basic script ideas together. And then they did actually some scripting themselves. But it was such a learning curve. Nobody had done anything like this before. No, no, no. Because it's the, almost they, like back, how do I put this? It's, it's almost back like in the 1950s where you had TV shows where they were really loosely scripted. Yeah. Um, your MC or your host was basically the glue that hold the entire mm -hmm. show together and you basically ran on about three or four ideas and that's it. Whereas yeah. the, the modern TV program, as you and I both know, you know, you've got all your scripts ready months in advance, you yeah. go through them, you fine comb them. So I'm guessing when you were talking to all those advisors and everything else, what was your turnaround for a daily show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm was, guessing some yeah. of it must have been really close. Oh, yeah, incredibly close. Like I might get a script in the morning or the day before, and then we had to adjust it to what we could find or source within our own house yeah. or garden or whatever. Uh, dear neighbours, and um, I can see the man, big mandarin tree um, in front of me, um, I would text them and say, hey, have you got worms in your compost? I cannot find any in mine at the moment. Yeah. And Yep, there's a um, ice cream container on the wall dividing the two properties. Um, it'll be there in five minutes. Yeah. Awesome, thank you. I swapped it back with um, an ice cream container that might have some cakes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made. So um, I didn't have to ask too many of the neighbours, but they were very helpful to be able to source things like that. Yeah. But yeah, the turnaround was really, really quick. But I'm used to having... Like we're yeah. making Brian yeah, Bobby production or, crew or yeah, production and, yeah. crew. You've got a camera operator, your soundy. You then send everything off to an editor. I basically had to say to my husband, sweetheart, <laughs> you know that camera that we've still got in the box that we haven't even opened up yet and that I was going to take on tour with me around the country and pick up camera crews along the way. Yeah. That's why we purchased it. Do you think you could learn how to use it? Because I've been offered the opportunity to make some content for the Ministry of Education for Home Learning TV and I don't know how we're going to do it if you can't help me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, he learned how to do it. He then had to learn how to use the um, editing equipment because, you know, late night runs yeah, yeah. to pop something in somebody's letterbox for them to try and edit and get back to me. Yep. That just the turnaround became too long. So yep. we had to then, I had to sit with my husband and go, okay, we need to cut this here. We need to do da-da-da-da-da. But that was the level of production that, because I wanted to do close-ups the way we were used to doing them with telly. Yeah which the other um, teachers, the actual teachers who were making content on their iPhone didn't have the luxury of doing. Yeah. So we added extra pressure on ourselves because we wanted to have the high production values and things like that. Um, and we had the equipment, but boy, there was, we were only getting like four hours sleep. And um, after Home Learning TV, the tick in my right eye only um, disappeared about three months later. Yeah, I so, yeah, we were... Riding by the city of pants, yeah. 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 I mean, look, let's be honest. Uh, were you scared shitless? Because that could have gone horribly, 
horribly wrong. You know, you could have not been able to film something on a particular day. You yourself could have got COVID during the, oh, the sure. process. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a huge, well, like, favour fortunes the brave. But, yeah. woo, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And look, although we were contracted to, to make this amount of content and we needed it in this turnaround, we did miss one deadline. Yeah. And it turned out that it um, ended up being on a Friday that we weren't able to get the TV programme to them in time. And because um, we'd had um, we had a microphone fail <laughs> where yeah. somebody didn't turn the microphone. Uh-oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we basically had to start again. So um, um, from that moment on, every Friday became a repeat Friday. They went, actually, let's take the pressure off us all and let's try and get in, in, in advance. Yep. And it just gave everybody a weekend, basically. So, yep. yeah. But... Those amazing um, educationalists around the country and, and teachers that were pulled in, they were teaching their their own classroom. Yeah. They were um, coming together with ideas for the maths segment that I was doing or the um, science segment or whatever. They, hats off to them, man, because we were doing it in here. We'd had experience. They were doing it, teaching their own class, dealing with their own families, yeah. dealing with COVID and being in lockdown themselves. How they just got burnt out as well. Yeah. They were incredible. And afterwards, at the end of it all, we had a, a Zoom glass of wine and a piece of cheese within <laughs> nice. your own home. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just applauded each other and thanked each other. And it was a wonderful opportunity. Never been done before. Within 10 days, a TV channel was up and running with yeah. newly made content that was used by kids all over the country. Yeah, which is just, I, I mean, I remember seeing it and just going, oh, that's going to be pushing uphill. Yeah, but oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're well and truly up again. Did you feel the pressure? Because, I mean, there was, like, everybody's like, yay, Susie is coming back. She's going to be on Kids TV and blah, blah, blah. And you and I know that one of the, I guess, the endure, sort of enduring trademarks of Susie's World and you and me and Brian and Bobby and everything else is you've got really, really high production standards mm. with those TV programs. I mean, the potential for it to sort of be a blanket in the garage was yeah. quite high, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And look, if it had been that, then that would have been okay as well. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the teachers that were providing um, content were doing it from their kitchen yeah, yeah, or yeah. their dining room or whatever, you know. And as, their, as they progressed, they became more relaxed in front of the camera and it became more engaging and all those sorts of things. So, you know, if, if that's all I'd been able to provide, then they would have been happy with that. They would have accepted whatever I could have provided, but they were really grateful to... And, you know, I threw some songs in there yep. and we had a bit of fun and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, if it hadn't been able to work out, then that's just one of those things. They would have had played a lot more songs or they would have yep. had a lot more or, um, teachers' content. Yeah, let's but... get to a commercial break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, right. So, <laughs> yeah. so after all of that, then, well, no, actually, not true, but somewhere in the middle of sort of all of that COVID stuff, you agreed to be the star keeper and the narrator for opera on the harbour's production of Carousel. Mm, now, that, how the hell does that come about? Because I mean, like, no disrespect, because I know you can sing and everything else, but you know, when you like, I know you're a, a big musical fan as well. Mm. How does that come about? Um, that came about the same around the same time that I got asked if I'd like to be in a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the next question. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so um, once again, they were looking for a MC for that. They were looking for that um, somebody yep. for that role, and generally it is a high profile person. Yeah. And they looked at all the different people on offer who were available and went, oh, oh, Susie, 
oh, should we give her a go, see if she's interested? So yeah, it was a fantastic opportunity and I would have absolutely loved, and I was so honoured to be asked, yeah. absolutely gutted when it didn't happen. Yeah. But um, a while back when I was being asked, when I was as a young person, I often would turn these things down. I didn't believe that I had what it took and I had no idea why anybody saw that I had the potential for that yeah. sort of thing because I wasn't known for it. How could I accept that role when I'd never done anything like that before? I'd had no training. I wasn't experienced, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, as I've be matured, <laughs> I've gone, I've got to give it a go. And if I don't succeed, um, then, you know, I've learned something yeah. along the way. So. And it's also a good lesson for other people to go, oh, she's human. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah. Yes, she is. Like yep. The bloopers at the end of Susie's World were not just for the kids to laugh. It was to show them that everybody makes mistakes and you just keep on persevering and laugh at yourself. Yeah. Which is sometimes hard to do. Not wrong. Yeah. yeah not wrong. And then, like you say, it was Red, White and Brass, right? Mm. A movie about the support of a super fan, a brass band, the Tongan and French rugby teams playing at a Rugby World Cup and Susie Cato. Right, what did you think when you were asked about the one the movie, right? And how did they pitch a rugby movie to you? Because look, let's be honest, rugby's not really your forte. <laughs> no. uh, and when you said, oh, and you started posting about it, I was like, oh, I've got to have a look at this. This will be some sort of family. I'm like, it's about the Tongan rugby team. Yeah. How the hell? Yeah. Um, because rugby plays a very small part in the story. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, still, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there in the background. But And, and it was pitched to me as um, Liz, the music teacher. Yep. And... Um, yeah, it, it, they told me the storyline and gave me a little sample of the script and it just sounded as lovely as the movie turned out. Yep. So, yeah, yep. it was it, one of those things I auditioned. I don't know how many other people they auditioned. Yeah, yeah. And um, I auditioned in our rumpus room because we were in lockdown and, <laughs> <laughs> and I had to send off a little videotape. And, yeah, we I came onto the set for that right at the end of filming. So they had this most amazing camaraderie yeah. and, and all the yep. rest of it. But I got welcomed in and I just became part of the whānau and it was just lovely. Yeah. yeah. How was the transition from small screen to big screen? When you saw yourself up on the theatre yeah. at a movie picture place going, whoa, yowza. Because, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like... I mean, you're even, everybody's home. Yeah, I get it. You're on YouTube, no problems at all. But when you see yourself on a movie theatre screen, it's like, jeepers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it blew me away. It was such an honour and to be uh, such a part of, of uh, a part of such a wonderful story. Um, yeah, it, I still get um, hair stand up on the back of the neck thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm in a movie type yeah. thing. Yeah, no, absolute buzz, absolute yeah. buzz. And was that sort of your full, well, not full, but was that your sort of, First really big, I know that you've done lots of stuff in um, Counties Medicare with me and everything else, but was that like your first sort of real immersion into Tongan culture? Yeah, I guess, yeah, you can yeah, say, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and definitely. how did you find that? Because, I mean, <laughs> it's like anybody else, you know, when you when you see a different culture, you experience a different culture, you get you get culture shock, everybody does, but um, was it, like you said, though, everybody's warm and welcoming and yeah, everything else? I, I don't know that it was a culture shock, but yep. it, I mean, I went, growing up in Kaikoui, and although this is yep. um, Māori and yeah, yeah. Tongan, it's yep. it, two um, separate cultures, yep. it's you... I don't know. You you you're open to it, and you're you're not. It's not. It wasn't a shock for me. And I I guess 
being on set, we're all playing roles and things like that. I wasn't with them 24-7, no. yep. that kind of thing. Yep. But um, And you are kind of role-playing anyway. So I had to pretend that I was surprised with all these big, burly um, <laughs> yeah. Tongan people coming in. Yeah. And so that was pretty easy to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so all good, right. And then I guess sort of towards the end of all of this, your eldest, Riley, leaves to go and do her big OE, right, mm-hmm. um, which – you and I had spoken about privately anyway, right? How's that been for you? Because I know that you like all your family to be close and thereby and everything else. And I can see the pictures on her Instagram and everything else. She's having the time of her life. But how was it for you when she said, actually, you know what, Mum? I'm going to up and leave. Um, Don't we, start yeah. with the tears. Oh, right? no. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, my goodness. There were tears. There were tears, all right. Yeah, I bet. You know, we supported her wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, Originally, it was like, hey, why don't you just head straight into university? Because if you know what it is that you want to do, then why don't you knuckle down? You really enjoyed the whole learning environment with um, studying international baccalaureate. And you've really got some good study ethics going. If you know what you want to do, leap into university. You're going to spit yourself out the other side really early. Then you can make some money and then head overseas. That was one school of thought. But as she realized... You know, They've got so many options, kids. They don't know what it is that they want to do. We said, go and find yourself. Go and learn about the world. Go and learn about yourself. And maybe during that course of that time, you'll have a better idea of what it is that you do want to do. And she does want to come back and study. So for her to start in Cambodia was at the home of one of her school friends from the study group and all the rest of it. And there were six of them over there, and they just had the most amazing time. And Cambodia was a wonderful, not a culture shock, but it was uh, wonderful to be immersed in a different culture to the extent that they were. They they all learnt so much. They all loved it. And, and you know, they did some of the tourist side of things, but they also spent time in everyday Cambodia. So that was fantastic. Um, her going to Spain to meet another group of friends. Fabulous. Love that. Her heading to Morocco by herself. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. the big deep breath, particularly yeah. as she said in, in one of her um, social media posts, um, is that she needed to break her own mold a little bit. Yeah. She's a girl that likes structure. She likes um, a timeline, she likes lists. She decided to break that mold and to try um, be spontaneous yep. and and not have too many plans when she landed in Morocco. Oh for goodness sake! <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't. There's, they do speak English, but it yeah. the the two key languages are of course Arabic and well French yep. actually. So um, neither of which she knows anything, yeah. and they're still very traditional. Yep in the ways that they treat women and have expectations and things like that. So Tangier, she landed there, absolutely loved it, enjoyed the whole environment, stayed in a hostel, made lots of friends, did lots of things. Fez was far more traditional and far more intimidating and uh, a little bit more threatening, I can say, but, um, you know, she handled herself really well. But it gave her the opportunity to um, make a whole lot of friends that she might not have made. Yeah. And you you find Google Translate and deal with those languages that you don't know. Yep. Because to go out together in a group was far more easy than yeah. it was trying to be a single blonde female and um, 
and find her way about a strange city. Yeah. That was much harder. But she did all kinds of things. She went for a camel ride. Yeah, so the camel ride photos. You know, the, the whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yep. driving in a car with a driver, and she sent us a little video of this playlist that he had playing of local music, and just the whole drums and everything, and driving through the straight. You could see the um, the straight road ahead of her for miles and miles and the sand dunes off to the side and you just went wow Boom. wow you know that experience yeah it's yeah, pretty amazing right now so while all of that is still going on you are doing a radio show in the background here as well oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got Susie's and Friends which won best children's radio program for 2023 Susie and Friends kids radio show which yours truly is sometimes a guest on with uh, Bobby but um, that's no easy feat either, because I don't think, I mean, it goes out every... Weekend, yeah. Weekend, I guess, yep, depending yep. on which frequency. How many frequencies you got 20, on there? 28 frequencies at the moment, so everything up in the far north right down to, to the to the far south. And on the smaller access stations and regional stations, which are far more family orientated. So, um, you know, it's a really good fit for us. Yeah. But... Um, because it's on anything from six in the morning on a Saturday morning to three in the afternoon and on a Sunday afternoon, we have to pre-record. Yeah. So um, we were going into a studio in Ponsonby prior to COVID, and we are still recording out of our wardrobes now there we <laughs> because go, yeah. because you you had COVID times you learn that you can do things from within your home. Yeah. So yeah. and amongst my dressing gowns and my large hoodies and things like that, I um, record my radio show. Perfect soundproofing. That's it. That's for sure. Now, in twenty seventeen, you got voted. I don't know if you can even remember this. They asked you for a quote. You got voted as New Zealand's favourite babysitter. Oh really? Wow. By the New Zealand Herald. Oh. All right. And what you said in 2017, something about being 37, I was like, okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, right. So here's the $64 million question. What do you think it is that makes you so likable to people? Ooh. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think that, uh, that my television persona in particular has always been non-threatening, the, the nice neighbour, the great with kids that kind of thing and that's what I've chosen to uh, with, with all the stuff that I do for television and film is be the nice person yeah. I mean I could have I've had lots of opportunities to break the mould and yeah. to to be involved in you know cheeky sitcoms and, and be the, the drunk television presenter or you know Frank and Feder in the Rocky yeah. Horror Picture Show yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but um, it's what I've chosen to do because in doing so and it fits so well with with who I am, I guess, yeah, yeah. is that um, that's who I'd like to be. Hey, look, I'm a human. I make mistakes. I say things that I shouldn't. I, I swear, I, whatever. Um, but um, it's basically the values by which I live by anyway. Yeah. Um, who Did you base that on anybody? I mean, I know that it's the values you live by anyway, but when you look back at some of the children's well, I was not going to say children's entertainers, but when you look back at some of the entertainers of yesteryear, like Mr. Rogers, for instance, mm. um, there's a really famous picture of him with his feet in the same bath as a um, a Negro gentleman who is a police officer at the time. And unbeknown to anybody at that time, he was actually also gay. But Mr. Rogers was insistent that they actually both put their feet into the paddling pool because at the time he was trying to make a bit of a statement about race relations in America, yeah. but still be nice about it. So do you base, like, and there's hardly any difference for those people that don't know Susie, with the on-screen persona 
and the real life Susie, but did you base it on anybody when you first started? No. Was there anybody that you sort of went, that's the person I want to be like? No, no, not one person, no. Yeah. But do you think with your role models, you, whoever, whatever role models you have, you take the best bits from all those people because nobody's perfect. No. And um, although Mr. Roger sounds like it was. Yeah, um, well, yeah. Yeah. Yep. He, um, you, you go, what would I, what did I want as a child? What, as a parent, although I wasn't at the time, what as a parent would I want? And what, what do I, what do I, what sits really well with me? So it's, it's what I went with my gut, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. the best way to do it, is to go with your gut and your heart before you go with your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah not wrong. Right, now, it's glad you said that, because here's the final question for you. We did the funeral question with you in episode number four. So Ooh. I thought, what's a really... What's my reply? <laughs> uh, God, honestly, I'll have to go and listen to it. That was 200 it. <laughs> episodes ago, yeah. I can't even remember my own name some days. Right, so kids today versus kids from the 90s, right? So in the 1990s, um, when you were doing TV, you know, you were... And I've heard you tell me this story many a time, but you were brought on TV so that you could sort of accompany a bunch of puppets that were going to travel around the country with the yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? Mm. And at the time... I remember that being a real big thing because these turtles lived in the sewers and we didn't want children going down yeah. sewers and we didn't want them using ninja violence against people and all that type of stuff. It was a real sort of... When we compare the kids of today to the kids in the 90s, what's changed in your humble opinions Okay. from there to there? Well, look, uh, social media and devices have changed. Yep. Essentially... Kids haven't changed. Yeah. Um, a really good example of that is is when I go and do live shows, and I was just down in um, Timaru just recently. Um, Bunnings, the Bunnings stores opened down there, yep, and British, so yep. I was taken down, and I was there to sing some songs and tell some stories with the kids and so that the parents could wander off and do some shopping type thing, um, which is wonderful because I went to a part of New Zealand that I haven't been to in a good couple of decades. <laughs> so it was really good to actually get down there and, and see that community. We sang songs, we read stories, and then I had a whole lot of boxes that I'd tucked underneath the, the um, seating beside me. And I said, you know, Bunnings is all about building. You know, you can get building supplies when you're an adult to build things. Do you know what? They've got things for us to build with here as well. Okay, maybe not the saws and the hammers and yeah. things like that. We'll leave those for the adults, although they do have the kid-sized ones with um, for child, uh, what do you call it, adult supervision. But um, I said... I've got some boxes here. What do you think we could turn these boxes into? And I held one up and we looked at it. A car! Somebody called out. I said, great. I wonder if we'll fit into any of these boxes. So we pulled them out and we had fun trying to fit bottoms into different size yeah. boxes and things like that. We ended up having almost enough. So other, some, some older kids ran away and got some bigger boxes. But I had kids up to the age of about 10 sitting in boxes, making all the noises, jiggling around, making the bumpy roads, and then we pushed them all into a line and they became a train and we're making our arms go and tooting the horn and things like that. We we had aeroplanes and then we built them into a tower and we had kids lifting up other kids to put, for the little ones, to put um, boxes up and stuff like that. That We were entertained for about half an hour with a cardboard box. These are the kids that would be on their devices if they were home or whatever, and they had a ball. Yeah. So in doing that, I'm showing kids, you can have fun with a cardboard box. Do you want to take one home? You, what are you going to do with it when you get home, you know? Um, if you got one big enough, you could build a cubby house. Oh, you know? Yeah. That kind of stuff. Um, but also showing parents that kids don't have to be entertained no. by screens. Yeah. 
You know, you, you give them a cardboard box, you, you cut a, uh, a door in it for them, and then they've got a little little house. Yeah. Um, they've got a place that they can put a blanket in. So many times we bought refrigerator boxes home. Oh, yeah. Yep. Had them out on the back deck during the day, and at night time they came inside, and the kids' mattresses went in there, and they slept in there at night, and they just loved them. Yeah. And then you'd get the paints out. And then by the time they were ready for recycling, you'd covered them in all kinds of yeah. things and paper mache and, yeah, you know. Yeah. Do you think it's a, not a lack of imagination? Because I've had this discussion with lots of people. I, I don't think the lack of imagination is there. It's just the fact that because they're being fed the imaginative stuff all the time. It's being done for them. Yeah, they yeah. don't actually so go. So they sit yeah. and watch. They don't actually participate. Yeah. So with even with Susie's World and so on, at the end of it, we always said, why don't you go go out to your library and do some more investigation? Or why don't you go and find out how this happens? You know, we'd be suggesting to turn the device off or the tally off at that stage yeah. and go and do something else. Yeah. And uh, same with Brian and Bobby. We left them with questions, didn't we, yeah. of what they could do the, next. Yeah. Or you could go to the website, find more information, that kind of thing. Um, we become so sedentary, and even as adults, we are busy watching all these cooking shows. Do we actually get round to making any of those things? Funny you mention that, because as I'm looking at the book here, I go, actually, there was a question I meant to ask you, and it was this. Where am I here? Uh, you did a cooking show, The Great Kiwi Bake Off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you and I know that you have a little, and I quote, these are the words you used, a little baking prowess. I've tasted Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're, oh, a, good, I, I you're a great cook. But then you forgot something on the show, didn't you? <laughs> what did you forget? My you brain. Yeah, yeah. I had long COVID. Yeah. And I really didn't think that I, I, I as I'm driving out to, to do, record this show, it was all the way out in, out on the west coast yep. um, of Auckland. I'm driving out there going, oh, I don't know if I'm going to even stay awake long enough to get out there, let yeah. alone record the show. And I actually cried the whole way home because I was so tired. I just want to pull over. But um, I was lost and I didn't know where I was going. Anyway, um, I forgot the sugar in um, Peter Gordon's muffins. And I don't know whether they were angling for me to actually win it because he was very polite. Uh, he's saying, now, there's something different. There's um, a crunchy texture in here. What is that, Susie? <laughs> it's the sugar that I'd cut the muffins open while they're still hot and shoved a whole lot of sugar in going oh I forgot the sugar yeah, yeah. Um, and then I had to watch the episode um, when it came on air to actually remember what it is that I created yeah. and I saw these beautiful well, beautiful cute little marzipan cat and various bits and pieces and I went oh who made that oh that was me I made those <laughs> I had oh I was well, not out of it, but by a crikey, I, the brain was not engaged, so I didn't do particularly well at all. I read a review about it from a New Zealand Herald journalist who basically said something like, Susie forgot the sugar, which Hayley picked up on straight away. My goodness, it goes to prove that Susie is actually human after all, which I thought was a yeah. good thing. Yeah, yeah, And then he basically sort of said, look, six people in the room couldn't get all their stuff together to get one set of, set of ideal muffins. It was perfect Christmas watching because when you look at something as small scale as that and then peace on earth, we realise we've still got a little bit of work yeah, to do. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, exactly. Full kudos yeah. to you. So <laughs> yet again, thank you very much for your time. It's always good fun. Uh, and I hope that somewhere along the line we've answered some question that about Susie Cato that you wanted answered. Um, Susie, thanks for your time again. Uh, real pleasure. And hopefully in another 200 episodes we'll see you. And oh, I'll have plenty more stories for you. Yeah, then. I bet you will yeah. have. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing that worries me. See you next time. Yep.
See you, see you later. Thanks for listening. But please do Constable Brian and I a favour and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next Coppuccino podcast. Real people, real stories.